1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to a Sunday morning with MoneyWise. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. We have a couple of very special guests with us this morning that I think you're going to find very interesting. I'd like to do something a little different today. I'd like to start with a quotation from Bishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa. And he said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. And coincidentally, my first guest that I'm going to introduce, who's sitting next to me, we were just watching a movie about uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu the other night, uh, which is very good, by the way. I don't remember the name of it, though. No, unfortunately, I don't either. Um, rats, I can't remember it. Well, with that kind introduction, this is attorney Tenny Lance, who's sitting next to me. Uh, she's been my companion and my wife for quite a long time. In fact, I can't remember how many years it's been, so maybe that's a good thing. It's over 50. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Well, thank you for being here, Tenny. We're going to be talking about a, a, a difficult but very significant topic today, which is the topic of suicide. And we've done this every year for several years now, but it's really important. It really is a serious problem. So I encourage you to be with us because I venture to say that probably somebody you know, somebody in your family possibly, has uh, been a victim of suicide, if that's the right way to put it. But we have another special guest I'd like to introduce, and it's Reverend David A. Lima. He was the executive minister of the Inner Church Council from 2001 to 2005. We were talking a little bit before the show began that I've actually done a lot of work with the Inner Church Council over the years. Uh, We helped them sponsor some housing, Attorney Tenny Lance and I did at one point in time. Uh, Currently, uh, Reverend Lima is the minister, um, if that's the right terminology, you can correct me. I am the minister. At the New Seasons Worship Center in East Freetown. So thank you for being with us this morning, Reverend Lima. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And and just a minor correction. Uh, I was the board president from 2001 to 2005. I've actually been with the executive, I've been the executive minister and continuously with the Interchurch Council until today. Okay, I'm good. I'm still with them. Uh, last I heard, they still keep me, so. Good. Yeah, I uh, thought you were still there. Yeah, no, I'm still <laughs> well, there. It's thank still you very for that. active. Thank you for that clarification. I appreciate it. But that's been a very important organization in our community. And are you still chaplain to New Bedford Police Department also? I am. I am. I still uh, am working with the New Bedford Police Department in a variety of ways. Um, including a uh, team of chaplains that uh, we go out and visit everybody that overdoses, uh, opioid overdose. Mm -hmm. We do outreach, uh, looking to help people get connected to services and give them the support they need so that they can uh, make the changes necessary in their lives. Mm -hmm. It takes time. It's not simple. Well, that's an important job today, especially uh, police departments in general, police officers serving in any department are under a lot more pressure today than they've ever been in their lives and their careers, I imagine. It is. And, and, you know, one of the things that we find is that, especially as the chaplains, when we're riding with the police and uh, the drug counselors, the recovery coaches, uh, 
uh, that sometimes we're doing as much ministering to them as we are to uh, the people that we're going to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on these days. Sure, PTSD. And, uh, a lot of trust that's been broken, but there's a lot of good people that are doing the work, and uh, so we're there to support the community. It's not an easy job to be a police officer today. So, I guess what I'd like to do is to start out by saying thank you for what you're doing not only for people who are victims of drug overdoses and things of that nature, but also for ministering and counseling to the uh, police officers themselves. Again, that's, that's uh, in the life of a minister, that's, that's what you do anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the interesting thing is um, when I was growing up, my mother was always hopeful that I would become a minister someday, but I went to law school instead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm a secular minister, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and every once in a while, Tenny, Attorney Tenny Lance says to me, she says, I still think you should become a minister. But I, I have to say, as much as I have um, admiration for people in that profession and that business, um, I've never had the calling to do that. Mm. So I do what I can in my own way to help. Speaking of difficult things to do, I think your job must be very, very tough. It, uh, it, it can be, but it can be very rewarding when you see someone who needs the assistance get the assistance. And um, what prompted me to, to think about uh, you is conversations that I had with my good friend Brian Fernandes. Uh, Brian, like myself, is a former Marine, and he also is active in the Freemasons, the Masonic Fraternity. And Brian had a son who died by suicide at the age of 17 in our community. (laughs) And I don't think anybody ever recovers from that, but Brian has become um, very much of an advocate and a spokesman for educating teachers in particular in how to deal with troubled students. It's a very big need. Uh, I came to know Brian back in 2013. and helped form, we put out a call and we brought community leaders together, including school officials and government and uh, even the DA at the time, uh, Sutter, uh, was very involved because we had had our 15th suicide in New Bedford Public Schools in a 22-month period. How awful. Wow. And uh, it was, uh, the oldest was 15, the youngest was 11. Uh, that is actually an anomaly. Uh, it was considered a cluster, and uh, so we came together and we formed the Greater New Bedford Suicide Prevention Coalition. That's how I got introduced to Brian, mm-hmm. and uh, ever since, we have been doing everything we can to train uh, everything from the schools, teachers, uh, and community about suicide prevention, and uh, we've probably, and during that time, have trained at least three, I think 3,000 or 3,500 people in what's referred to as question, prefer, question, refer, and persuade, question, persuade, and refer, QPR. Okay. Question, persuade, and refer. And a lot of people that you've worked with to help train, have they been people in the educational community, like teachers? Uh, we've gone into schools and trained whole staffs. We uh, trained counselors. We've trained uh, the police. We did a two-day training uh, for police officers from five different communities. Uh, we have uh, 
we have worked with a lot of community leaders and we've done that across the south coast i had some copies made of some articles and things and um tenny's going to hand them to me i was looking around for them trying to figure out what i had done with them and she had put them at the end of the table you know this past week in the new bedford standard times there was an article on uh, september 28th says Military suicides up as much as 20% in COVID area, in COVID era, excuse me. And it also says that senior army leaders have seen as much as a 30% jump in active duty suicides so far this year. That's an incredible increase in numbers. One of the great uh, tragedies and shames, uh, especially when we stop to consider our young people that go into the military, uh, is that we actually lose more people to suicide than we have um, daily, uh, than we have in any kind of action, military action that we've got going right now. Mm-hmm. And that's included in these past few years, uh, these past you know decade or so with uh, the wars in Afghanistan and uh, uh, Iraq, Iran, the, I mean not Iran, but uh, the, these different areas where we've had some actions more people have died of the military in by suicide, by their own hand, than by uh, these actions. Hmm. Um, we're not doing enough to be able no, to help them. Clearly, that's and, uh, and and that's one of, that's that's shame on us. What this article in the Standard Times said is that um, COVID um, vac- uh, infection has added stress to this. It says from a suicide perspective, we are on a path to be as bad as last year. And that's roughly two-thirds of the way through the year. Well, and I can give you some local statistics. In fact, COVID has has really impacted our area as well as many others, but especially in the realm of mental health and depression. Mm-hmm. Suicides in Bristol County are up 25%. And suicides from, from last year? From last year. And suicides in the Greater New Bedford area, which for our coalition is... New Bedford and a town that touches it, so it would be Dartmouth, Freetown, a cushion at Fairhaven, right. uh, is up 18%. Wow. Um, it, it, and, and Samaritans also have put out statistics. Uh, their phone calls have increased well over 35 40%. Wow. That, that's a really sad number. That's a really sad statistic when you think about it. As we go along during the show today, we're going to be talking about uh, maybe some of the symptoms to look at. We're going to be talking about some of the solutions to the problem. How do we solve this problem? It is a serious problem. It's a serious problem amongst uh, young people, students as well. Very much so. So as we go along today, um, first of all, I just want to remind everybody that you're listening to MoneyWise and WBSM, and our special guest today besides Tenny Lance is the Reverend David Lima. And this is an important topic if you think it doesn't impact your family, it probably does in some fashion. Probably some impacts somebody in your own family that um, maybe you've forgotten about or haven't wanted to talk about. Uh, I have at least two members in my family, immediate family, that have died by suicide. One is a first cousin who uh, took his life in uh, Florida. Very difficult situation. He was in a domestic situation, domestic violence situation. Retired, had a great career um, as an executive for a major aerospace company in Connecticut. They moved to Florida. They had a happy life. He sent pictures every week. 
And then at some point in time, I guess it's probably in the last two years, um, he shot and killed his wife and then shot and killed himself. And what kind of stress takes place in a marriage like that, that, you know, why aren't you better off to leave or separate or get some counseling or do something? And it was, it was fairly shocking for the whole family. One of the difficulties, and it's, it's one of the things that uh, we try to help people understand, is the shame and the stigma of mental health uh, and any kind of uh, what may be perceived as moral failing, especially as when you mention uh, domestic violence and things like that. Uh, a lot of this stays hidden, and hidden means untreated, and untreated uh, means a lack of assistance without that help, which uh, can exist. Uh, in fact, statistics show that at least 95% of all suicides are preventable. Uh, and that's many am- people, that's amazing. Many people who do have an intervention, somebody intervenes at just the right time, uh, and even many who have attempted but survived mm-hmm. uh, never attempt again. Um, That's interesting by itself. Yes. Um, well, I, I guess in in one sense, it's important to have hope. Always, it's important to have hope. Um, Martin Luther, you know who Martin Luther is, obviously, said once, <laughs> "Everything that is done in the world is done by hope." And you have to have some hope in the world. But very difficult for people in this situation to see, and that's I assume what you try to do is to help people to understand that not everything is totally bleak it, it is and 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 again it's ebbs and flows you know they're like all of us in fact i'm willing to bet that most in our audience today and even the, the those of us that are here in this room as we're talking we've we've had our bad bouts with depression you know sure. for a few days or maybe even a week or so because of a life event or mm-hmm. or even during like episodes like this where we're going through covid-19 and right. and the fear of you know do, do you wearing a mask are you not wearing a mask those people that don't believe cuz they think it's a hoax you know we're all going to die you know it 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 you know depending on who you're talking to and who you're listening to you don't even know what to believe or not and that raises an angst and we get Conflicting messages sometimes from leaders in the community, leaders on the national and state stage. Different states say, we're okay in Florida. We're going to open everything now. So right. Florida has just opened up everything. And, and, and then you hear about clusters and you hear about this. The numbers are going up. So the point is, and because we're not making this about COVID, but those of us who have a, 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 a healthy lifestyle and even healthy uh, – relationships we have coping mechanisms to get past moments of despair right. get past times of depression get past times of anxiety uh we uh you know and some of those are healthy some do become unhealthy like we have undiagnosed illnesses or undiagnosed moments and we start to drink a little bit heavier than normal mm. we start to maybe take some drugs because it makes me feel better yep you know, how many of us have said, you know, oh, I can't wait till the weekend. I'm just going to have a few drinks and just mellow out. Mm. Well, there's the there's the okay, healthy ratio, and then there's that going too far, and it just hurts you more than it helps you. No, you're right. So I have one drink on Friday night, and that always makes me feel happier. <laughs> 
but I don't go beyond that. <laughs> you know, you one are thing I find indeed the what? cheapest drunk I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't drink to that level, but no. um, I I can't handle alcohol, so I don't really imbibe that much. I one glass of wine once a week, maybe. That's about it. You know what's really impressed me, uh, Reverend Lima, over the years is. And this is all recently. I'm impressed with how many stories there are in the newspaper about it. It always seemed to me that I don't ever remember reading stories. So I'm looking at, here's an article in the Wall Street Journal on April 13th of 2019. Mm -hmm. That's a year and a half ago. Very detailed study and story about uh, suicide and suicide prevention. But page after page after page, you went on on just that one particular topic. So it's very much elevated in, in the newspapers and, and stories we read. There are a lot of famous people you hear about, you know, Anthony Bourdain and Robin Williams and people like that that we've heard about that, you know, they've got whatever stress going on in their life and can't handle it. But there are solutions. There are warning signs. There are solutions. There are warning signs. There are solutions. Um but one of the things that I like to always impress upon people when we do talk about suicide, a lot of people don't necessarily think, because again, that shame and stigma, people don't talk about it a lot. You do get the occasional uh, article, and, and sometimes they do an incredible job. Usually those come out after somebody famous has died, mm. uh, because there's an unwritten rule that uh, newspapers and news stations do not talk about suicide uh, on a general basis. Right. Uh, for instance, if somebody dies by murder, you'll see it on the front pages. You'll see uh, a fiery accident will be on the front pages. You don't always see suicides unless it was a very public suicide. Mm -hmm. um, but if I was to tell you that if you took all the murders in the state of Massachusetts and all the motor vehicle deaths in the state of Massachusetts in any given year in the last 20 years, mm -hmm. you would still not come close to the number of suicides in the state of Massachusetts. Hmm. Would that take you by surprise? Is that yeah, right? that would. I it, did it, not it is, know that. It only adds up to about two-thirds of the amount of suicides in the state of Massachusetts. And Massachusetts is the 49th lowest rate of suicide in the nation. It's one of the few states that actually puts some money towards suicide prevention out of the health department, uh, the public health uh, mm. of the state of Massachusetts. I think it's the state of Oregon or Washington that has um, doctor-assisted, medical-assisted suicides are allowed, but they probably have to go through some kind of a panel to get permission to do that. There, yeah, and, and, and you know, as a minister and as an advocate, um, for the prevention of suicide, that is a scary prospect for me. Sure it is. But also as someone who has worked with people at end-of-life issues mm -hmm. and seen uh, the pain and the trauma, I understand why mm -hmm. there have been those that have advocated for uh, suicide, uh, medically-assisted suicide. It's just that how it's applied and everything else is it's it can be done Definition can be done for anything. I, I'm tied with my life, you know. Sure. Uh, so that's it's a scary it's a scary slide to get on. Mm -hmm. And there's counseling available. There's always things that somebody can do. By the way, this is an outline that we did a year ago, a year and a half ago, when we had uh, Brian Fernandez on as a guest. And 
Brian established the Nicholas Wayne Fernandes Memorial Fund in memory of his son uh, who died by suicide. And I learned some things from Brian, too. He said, we don't use the terminology, this person committed suicide. Right. We use the, per- the terminology that they died by suicide. Right. And I thought that was interesting. I had never heard that before. And that makes a lot of sense. But we have increasingly uh, stories of um, students and kids. And you can't imagine what kind of pressure they're going under that would lead them to want to think about taking their own life. And how can they get help? And why don't they get help? Magic Johnson once said, all kids need is a little help, a little hope and somebody who believes in them. But they might need counseling sometimes, too. It, uh, and that's without a doubt. But that goes for all of us. And a lot of people, uh, working with our youth is, is a major necessity, especially once they go away to college. You know, we're starting to see even during this time of COVID that <coughs> so many of them are uh, getting together to uh, to. to to just cut loose and sure. have their parties and everything else, even though they're not supposed to, and you're seeing breakouts. But part of that is wanting to be connected. That's the whole point. Of course. And that that experience and getting connected with peers, uh, rather than just mom and dad, who they may or may not still have a great relationship with, but but being able to be together with our peers is major. The thing is, is it sometimes can also be one of the danger places because. Kids are doing things that others don't want to do but feel pressured to do, Mm. feel they have to keep up. Even if they're not pressured, they feel they have to just so they can be part of the in crowd. Right. Uh, And it's a big, big deal. Uh, Suicides amongst youth is actually one of the lower rates, not low, but lower rates. It's actually middle-aged white males that are the highest risk of suicide. But in the, as a leading cause of death in the United States, it is 12th in Massachusetts. It is 10th in the United States. But for youth between the ages of 15 and uh, 24, it is the second leading cause of death. I had heard that. I want to repeat that because I think that is so significant. I was, I was really shocked when I read that. Kids between that age, that age bracket... It's the second leading cause of death. That's Se- shocking. Well, let's face it. Number one, you're young, you're stronger, you're healthier, theoretically, you know, so you're not getting a lot of the uh, illnesses that many of us who are older are having to deal with, you know, heart issues because we may have eaten a little bit too much or diabetes and things like that. Uh, the highest rate of death, the, 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 the leading cause of death for youngsters uh Again, youngsters 15 and, and uh, through 24 and mm-hmm. 25 to 34 it is accidents. It, I was going to say, I, thought, I, would, I would have thought it would have been accidents Yeah, it also. is accidents. Uh, but it's still striking that it's the number two yes, it is. leading cause of death. And yep. so it just means that there has to be a few more resources. But i got to be honest with you. The biggest thing that we can do is talk. Yep. Reach out. Uh, just care. Even during this time right now, that's what we try to tell everybody. Reach out and talk to somebody. If you haven't seen someone, just give them a call. And um, let's let's ask the question, 
we've got a lot of resources in this community. If somebody wanted to reach out to your organization, and remind me again what the name of it is. Uh, well, personally, what I work for is the Interchurch Council, but that's right. not the first place to turn to. Okay. Uh, although we can help get you to a place. Number one, if anybody is uh, feels that they or someone they love is imminently in danger of suicide, mm-hmm. you want to make sure you call 911. Okay. That, that's the bottom line. That makes if sense. If you are afraid of it, you call 911. Okay. The bottom line is that whoever shows up, whether it's the ambulance first or the police or even the fire department, mm-hmm. they're now obligated. They have to. If it's suicide, uh, a suicide attempt or even a suicide worry, they have to take people in to be observed. Okay. All right? And they get uh, examined and, and you make sure that they're safe. Uh, then they're released. Um, and so they'll go to the hospital and, and whatnot. Now, that's if you really fit. Now, if you're having feelings uh, and thoughts, then the resources you want the most is there's always uh, the Samaritans just to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And locally, that uh, that is uh, the 866-508-4357 number. There's always the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. But what a lot of people don't realize is that if you're local, you'll end up talking to the Samaritans between the hours of 8 and 11 Mm -hmm. because that's what the National Hotline does is connect people to their local uh, centers. Uh, If you're looking and if if you want therapy, if you want counseling, uh, especially in our area, the New Bedford area, the greater New Bedford area, it's Child and Family Services. Okay, good. And uh, they have the crisis center, but they can also have the counseling. During this time of COVID, they do tele- tele- uh, telehealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a big thing. And if anybody is at risk and and or a victim of domestic violence, you want the Women's Center. Okay, and The good. Women's Center here in uh, the city, 24-hour hotline, is 508-999-6636. Those are some of the immediate things for help. Good. I also know that um, the uh, district attorney's office has a special unit for uh, domestic violence, and they'd be happy to get involved and to help. It's not just for reporting a crime. No. Uh, They help connect services, and they work closely with the Women's Center, Mm -hmm. uh, just as they work closely with us uh, with suicide prevention. And, and I'll give you one more resource, especially if you're looking for things, anything, because the one thing that we did this year, uh, a lot of community groups, uh, the ones that we've talked about, our, our partners, we created a mental health awareness campaign called Help and Hope South Coast. And uh, you can find that online at helphopesouthcoast.com. That's help, hope southcoast.com and when you go to that site you'll be able to uh, see all the partners we've got a lot of information on suicide prevention people that have uh, gone through things Brian was one of our uh, uh, guests he's both listed as uh, he did a blog they did a blog about Brian's life uh, Mm -hmm. and and his son and the work that he does he did one of our television shows we uh, uh, online shows on the Bedford Guide every Wednesday at the moment we're doing Wellness Wednesday at 7 o'clock and you can find that on our uh, Facebook page 
Help Hope South Coast. Mm -hmm. Just do a search. You'll find it. Health Hope South Coast. Help Hope South Coast. Okay. You know, what really impresses me is that not only in Massachusetts, but in our local community, if you're listening, you're in our local community, there really are a vast array of services that are available. So if you are having suicidal thoughts, if you are having concerns, if you're worried about somebody in your family that you think might need some counseling and some help, we have a, a large array of services available to you. And the one thing we all always offer here, uh, Reverend Lima, is you can always give Attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800. She's not going to counsel you, but we've got our, at our fingertips access to all these resources, and we can put you in touch with somebody who will help. Uh, you can call me, Ray Lance, at 508-998-8858. We'll be happy to send you articles. We'll be happy to send you uh, the contact sheet that we're reading from right now that lists the addresses and the names and the phone numbers of these organizations. If you want a copy of that, give us a call. We'll be happy to send a copy of that to you. There's no obligation to do anything here. You know, we've got local state representatives that have done a good job, too. I think it was Antonio Cabral, Re Representative Cabral, who was instrumental in pushing through legislation in Massachusetts to increase um, suicide awareness and prevention training, making it mandatory for teachers to have training and education in this area so they can recognize the need. Uh, Representative Cabral, Tony has uh, been a great advocate around this and mental health uh, needs. It, uh, it's something that he worked very closely with Brian. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember I was at a meeting. Uh, I was at a meeting in Needham talking with a group of coalition leaders, suicide prevention coalition leaders, when uh, he called me to, to get some thoughts on what could and should be in that. Uh, so he he not only was trying to do the right thing and trying to get others to uh, get on board with it, but uh, was trying to talk to the leaders, the coalition people that were doing the work day to day to get uh, what was thought to be necessary. And uh, that's important. It's very important. Um, you know, sometimes, especially when we think of Washington, we're not sure what's getting done these days. Well, I know. Uh, not much right now. You know, but, but there are good people like Tony and others that uh, that are doing a lot of good work. Yeah, I know that uh, Tony Cabral, Representative uh, Tony Cabral, has been very actively involved in this, as has been Brian Fernandes, and uh, as has been our own Reverend Lima, who's with us today. We've got great leadership in this community. There are solutions. Um, Dale Carnegie once said, most of the important things in the world have been accomplished by people who have kept on trying when there seemed to be no hope at all. There's always got to be room for hope, doesn't there? Stop to consider a person in our country's history who at one time was so suicidal in his thoughts and in his behavior that his friends wouldn't leave him alone. They took all his guns, knives, razors away from him. Don't give me the name. I think I'm going to guess it. His best friend <laughs> stayed with him for six months and wouldn't leave his side. Hmm. Is this Abraham Lincoln? It is. I, I think I heard that story once. It is. So isn't that an impressive story, ladies and gentlemen? It's incredible. He had He lost his mother at a young age, his sister, 
baby sister at a young age. His first love, Ann Rutledge, uh, who some people believe they were actually engaged to be married, died at the age of 21. Mm. Uh, he lost an aunt and a grandmother. Uh, it, he faced all of that as a young man. And uh, where would we have been if those friends who saw what he was going through did not stay with him to prevent him? And we all know he's the one who kept this country together. It, it's sure. bleakest hour. Yep. And, uh, it, but it was because people were there for him when he needed them. And it, the belief and the thought is he never was suicidal again, even under the midst of all that pressure of the Civil War and doing what's right and the Emancipation Proclamation and everything he faced. But that's what we can do today, too. There yep. are people that are in our circles that we could be there for, too. Yep. So I, I think it's really important, and the message there is, if you have somebody in your life that you have concerns about, first and foremost, be a friend to them. And then figure out what you can do to help them get some help. When I do the training, I, I make this one statement because a lot of people are afraid to talk. To ask to question. Oh sure, and and this is not a judgment on them. It's it's all of us. No, we don't want to. We don't want to offend. We don't want to hurt. And when sometimes when we bring something up, people get upset with us. And it's the same thing. I'm going to tell you that if you're afraid that somebody is suicidal, make the call, even if they get angry with you. Because I would rather have somebody who is angry and alive to be angry than someone that isn't. Mm -hmm. And I've lost somebody that I might have been able to help. It's not always an easy decision. No. And those who have lost someone, it's very difficult. You said that earlier. You you almost never lose that, you know, uh, pain. Um, you may be able to live with it, but you still feel the loss even years later. And and that part of it is it's what's referred to as survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is. What has happened, now we have to survive so we can help others. Right. And we can share our stories, give our testimonies. That's what Brian has done that has been so amazing. He's not ashamed of that story. Uh, he loved his son. He wishes he could have done more. But he's learned that he didn't know enough. And right. now he's trying to help others know. Well, it's it's important. It starts with working with kids as well. And that's a really tragic thing if something happens to children at a young age. Uh, Peter Lynch is a very famous investor in this country. He yep. worked with Fidelity for many, many years. He ran the Magellan Fund and things of that nature. And he once said, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Suicide is a choice. And I think if we work with that with kids, we'll get somewhere. So it is a temporary problem, but for Young people especially, or for anybody perhaps, it seems like an insurmountable problem. We, uh, I refer to it as uh, the perfect storm. We go through struggles, and again, I think that we all can remember some point in time in our life where something happened that really affected us badly, and we didn't think, we couldn't see past that pain, that event, how could my life go on and everything else. Sometimes it's something as minor as puppy love when we were teenagers. Oh, sure. And our first breakup and, you know, I'll never be loved again and everything else. 
Uh, it, it, but sometimes it's more serious. I don't want to make light of any of this. Of course. But for us, that perspective is difficult. And like I said, for most of us, we have uh, mechanisms in our lives. We have avenues to be able to come through that. But for some of us, we get stuck. And if we have those thoughts, that ideas, those depressions, and it w- people are in pain, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that suicide is not a rational decision from 99% of the people that that do it. They're in pain. They're suffering. Mm -hmm. Suicide is their last-ditch plan to end their pain. That's why when we tell people, if you're worried about somebody, just ask them direct. Are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of suicide? Don't ask them, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Because the bottom line is they're looking to end the hurt. They're already hurting. Whether it's mental, physical, even spiritual, they're looking to end that hurt. Mm. And that's the things that we have to uh, to work with. I can remember some of my own personal feelings when I was 17 years of age. So I, I grew up in a military family. My father was in the Marines for 20 years also. And we moved a lot. I went to four different high schools. Mm. And I met Tenny when I was a sophomore in high school. I got to spend a year and a quarter with her in school. And then my family got moved again down to Connecticut. That was an awful time for me. I was very upset about that. I, can, I didn't you know, think about suicide at the time, but uh, I was a very unhappy young man at that time. Um, but Tenny herself has gone through pain. You know, one of the things that I, I've always told clients in the office, if we do radio shows or public seminars or whatever, Number one, there's no such thing as a normal family. And number two, every family has issues and has problems. Yep. You are not unique. If you think you are, you're not. We've seen everything from, we know there was a case of murder to incest to rape to you name it. We've seen in this office. People have had, have issues. They have problems. Don't you agree, Tenny? We've seen everything you can imagine in this office. Yes, Un- unhappily so. It's it's a shame. It's too bad that that people do have to go through these really tough situations. But the important thing is that you're not unique and you're not alone and don't ever think that you are. Your next door neighbor who looks like they've got the happy life, they may have more problems than you can possibly think of. So Tandy had an incident in her own life. Um, she had a, a brother who ended his life by suicide. And uh, that was very difficult. I remember in great detail going to the funeral service. He had been in the Navy. He was a Navy officer. He was a Navy medical doctor. Um, he had worked as a doctor in, in the Navy, and then he went into private practice. He had a really serious head-on collision car accident caused by two kids racing two cars who came at him, and he was totally off the road in a very safe Volvo he still got hit head on. His face was crushed. He never had a day in his life after that without pain. And he made one attempt call for help to um, end his life by uh, taking uh, medicine that he had access to. And then ultimately he did it another way and took his life, you know, a year or so later. And that was a tough time, wasn't it, Tenny? You had three I, kids. I can't really talk about it. I, I recall that it was um, my responsibility to tell my mom and dad what happened. and I didn't remember that. 
So you don't have to talk about it. I, I did ask Tenny for permission to mention it. But I want people listening to know today that it happens more often than you think. So he was in pain all his life. And what people don't think about often, they can only think about their own pain and don't reach out enough for help. Well, and, and they don't really think about the pain of those who are left behind. He left three kids behind. Right. His wife. wife and three kids. The the important thing, I think, for people to remember and to think about is that suicide doesn't happen to some down-and-out um, person on the streets or, you know, some scummy person that you think about. My brother was an ophthalmologist. He was only 49 years old. He was brilliant, uh, had a, a what we thought was a good life, and uh, certainly had enough of everything, money, love, and so forth. But it happened, and it was horrible. I, He was a trumpet player, and even now I can't listen and I can't talk about it, so I'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, um, at, at his uh, funeral service, they played the Navy hymn, and uh, that's a tough song to listen to. They played it at all the Navy uh, funeral services. So yeah, we'll the, pass on the to trumpet Tenny. voluntary of of the Messiah is a song I can't can't listen to. You know, Anderson Cooper once said. That's the thing about suicide. Try as you might to remember how a person lived his life, you always end up thinking about how he ended it. That's uh, Anderson Cooper, who's on CNN every night. Well, we're privileged this morning to have uh, Reverend David Lima with us. And you've had a lot of experience working with the police department, working with uh, Hope Health. Help Hope South Coast. Help Hope Hope South Coast. I'll get it straight. Yep. <laughs> and mostly, folks, you need to know that there's lots and lots of resources available to you. And call on them. As Reverend Lima said, we left my brother basically alone um, in the sense that he would say some dark things and we'd think, oh, gee, that's a shame that he's thinking that, but he'll be fine. Uh, time will pass and he'll get better. We did not call on anybody, and the thing that uh, was probably most upsetting was that after his first attempt, there was no law or regulation in place that could force him uh, to be retained in the hospital to get treatment or anything like that. I don't know if that has changed since then. We are, and... and, uh you probably know better than I do. We're a country of laws, and one of the biggest laws is uh, our freedom. Yep. And in certain things, our freedom of choice is probably more sacred in this country than anything else. And sometimes we make bad choices in terms of if I don't think I need help or I don't want help, I don't have to receive help. It's one of the things that we deal with all the time with people that have uh, um, substance abuse issues, alcoholism, um, and also mental health. Uh, during this, there was a period of time where we had mental health hospitals, um, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of wrong that was being done in there. And we, you know, we all know if we've seen or read the stories 
Um, there was a lot of things that were were being done incorrectly, and in the end, we ended up closing all the hospitals because they were not being run correctly. Sure. Except, what we did was the old proverb: throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We now don't have the resources we used to have at one time, and people aren't able to get the assist. And I tell you something else: not it's not just whether you desire it or not; it's whether the insurances will pay for it or not. You know, you have a cardiac problem. You you can go for all these specialized tests that cost thousands and thousands of dollars for years on end. Have a mental health issue? Most insurances are ten visits to uh, for a mental health visit, and then. You have to advocate for the insurance to pay for more. It is not considered one of the things that has to be taken care of. And yet, like we were talking about, uh, suicide itself is the 10th leading cause of, uh, of death across the country. Let me give you just one last statistic. And I hate statistics because as Tenney speaks with the, the, the emotion and, the, and, and, and what she has dealt with in her life, and there's so many others, but in the year 2018, here in this country, one of the greatest countries of the world, and we're not talking during COVID, we're talking 2018, there were 48,344 people that died by suicide. That's hmm. almost as many people as died in the Vietnam War. You're talking about more people that was sit in Fenway Park at its full capacity, more people died. Mm. Another 443,000 people were hospitalized overnight or longer for a suicide attempt. Another 717,000 received medical attention for a suicide attempt. So that's a total of 1,442,000 adults, 18 plus, who reported suicide attempts. Well, those are That's staggering one statistics. Year, I guarantee you, in this audience, there are people that have been there, done that, or know someone who has. Or somebody in their family. So are there any particular warning signs that we should look for in uh, your experience? Changes in life pattern. Uh, people that are uh, uh, all of a sudden start to change their pattern, especially if they're getting anxious, agitated, or behaving recklessly. People that sleep too little or too much, their patterns have totally changed. People that are withdrawing or feeling isolated is one of the things that occurs. People that start showing heavy rage or talking about seeking revenge, uh, displaying extreme mood swings. Um, and then some obvious signs, talking about or uh, talking about wanting to die or, or killing oneself. That seems pretty obvious. Some people would say, oh, they're just looking for attention, especially when it's a youngster. But you still got to give it some, some you know, uh, gravity. Okay. And uh, online, uh, looking for a way to kill oneself. You know, pay attention if they have medication, if they're hoarding it or something else. And whether it's you thinking about it or somebody in your family or a friend or somebody talking about it, Get some help. There's a lot of help available. Um, we've mentioned some organizations. We're happy to provide a copy of that sheet uh, to anyone. 
Um, I want to end with a couple of quick quotations today. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow once said, there is no grief like the grief that does not speak. And I'm sure everybody has probably heard of uh, Pierre Solinger. He was a press secretary to John F. Kennedy, and he said, I lost two of the greatest men I've ever known to assassination and a son to suicide. Wow. So I bet most people never knew that before. Um, we've got local organizations that are on that sheet that I gave you that we might re read that once again. But it's a serious issue. It's a problem. It's a temporary problem. There's lots and lots and lots of help available. I want to give a special thanks uh, to Reverend David Lima for joining us today and for Attorney Tenny Lance for being with us today. Um, as we're winding down, we've got a, bit, a minute and a half. Um, I just want to leave with the message of, first of all, a big thank you to uh, Reverend Lima for being here and thank you for Tenny for sharing with uh, great emotion the situation in your own family. Um, I want to give you a couple of quotations from A.A. A. Milne. He wrote the Winnie the Pooh stories. And he said, you can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come out to you. You have to go out to them sometimes. And I thought that was interesting. And then he also said in Winnie the Pooh, there is something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. So get some help, ladies and gentlemen. Don't keep this quiet. Don't keep this silent. It is a temporary solution. And most of all, thank you for listening to this special show, and thank you to our special guest for being here. Thank you. We'll see you again next Sunday morning. <laughs>